0: This is the 7-Figure Agency Podcast. Discover the strategies and techniques to grow a highly successful and profitable digital marketing agency with your host, Josh Nelson. Um, we are now part of our Agency Success interview series where we're interviewing highly successful digital marketing agencies from across the country on how they've grown and scaled their agencies. And I'm really excited to welcome back to the show for the second time, Will Hankey. Um, we just celebrated his agency crossing the seven-figure mark, um, and I'm, I'm so excited to have you guys hear his story and kind of how he's grown, how he's scaled, how he's landing clients, delivering results, retaining. So, um, Will, congratulations, and thanks so much for being on here.
1: Yeah, thanks, Josh. I'm super excited about it.
0: So, for the sake of people that, that don't know, tell us a little bit about your agency, you know, what niche you're in, what kind of clients you serve, et, et cetera.
1: Sure. So I actually started my agency in 1997 was uh, when I bought my business license and uh, started, biz- started building websites, handing them off to people, having absolutely no idea what was going on after that, you know, just giving it to them. Uh, and then uh, around 2017 or so stumbled across you and uh, decided to start to niche down the legacy agency, just leave it as it is, uh, and started to niche down. Uh, I had a couple clients, That were successful, uh, that we were successful with in the window treatment area, which is blind, shade, shutters, those types of things. Uh, Not necessarily something I'm passionate about, uh, but it was a kind of like a blue ocean. It was something that really nobody was doing. We knew how to do it, uh, and so that's how we picked our niche. uh, Was that we, you know, we saw we saw an opportunity and uh, maybe took the long road uh, to success, but we but we got on the road and we kept going. So.
0: So now you've got, you know, seven figure agency serving that particular niche, you know, the window treatment space to remember when you said the niche, it was kind of off the radar, kind of like, you know, I guess there's a high transaction value there. It might be hard to target them, uh, but you have broken through and now you've got some great yeah. momentum. Talk to us a little bit about how you landed the first handful of clients in that space. Kind of, you had this generalist agency, you decided, okay, I'm going to target window treatment companies. Um, but it wasn't easy to get the first seedling of clients. Like, talk to us about how you got those first handful.
1: Yeah, I think one of the lucky things for me was I had the I had the legacy agency. So because of that, we actually built a page on our legacy website specifically for window treatment marketing and window treatment SEO. And then we used that uh, authority of the site that I had for all those years and then started 301 to redirecting that authority to our new website. So we were lucky enough to uh, to rank quickly and get some clients just purely by uh, organic rankings, mm-hmm. and that was a great that was a great kind of a, a little trick that we used to really kind of boost everything up, uh, use the authority we already had. So most of our first clients came from that way. Uh, we may have been reaching out to them. You know, we joined the association nearly right away after joining Seven Figures. Uh, and we started you know talking with some of the people in there. Maybe we scraped the list of the uh, association and reached out to them. i don't I don't know if that's the case, but uh, maybe. Uh, but anyway, we had uh, we had a list that we started reaching out to. We already ranked well because of the legacy agency that we had. and uh, and they, you know, we signed up two or three clients. Uh, I'd say within the first three or four months of launching, which was incredible. I was like, wow, I'm on a huge thing here. I mean, this is gonna be fantastic. We're gonna be at seven figures in a year, you know? Uh, so so a little bit of uh, messing with my head there because that's not what happened. Uh, but right out of the gate, uh, the using the legacy agency and that authority really helped us.
0: Awesome, so you kind of chose the niche just so, for clarity. So it was Red Canoe Media, right? It was the original yeah. general agency. You had that website, you had that brand, you had reviews for it. And this is something people struggle with, like, Okay, I want to shift from my generalist agency to the niche agency. Do I set up a new website? Do I set up a new brand? In your case, you set up Red Canoe Media slash window, you know, window treatment companies, for instance, and that was a page that you got to rank organically. And some of these companies in searching for SEO for window treatment companies and blinds wound up on your website and becoming clients.
1: Exactly what, what happened. Uh, they would reach out to Red Canoe Media. We would switch them over to window treatment marketing pros as all the communication coming to them. And uh, nobody even asked what, what, what happened with that little shift there. But uh, that using that authority was huge for us.
0: Yeah, they don't, they don't care at the end of the day. A lot of the, they think it's a marketing division of the company. It really yeah. doesn't make that big a difference. So you joined the association. You got the list. You started doing some cold outreach you had this brief moment of, oh man, we're gonna crush it. Like it's just gonna be off to the races, but you kind of hit a wall at some level and got stuck. Um, like what is it that's working today? If you think about, man, you know, we've got the seven figure business and it's growing even faster than ever right now. Um, like what was it that helped to make that breakthrough and where are the clients coming from right now?
1: Yeah, so I've always been a fan of the omnipresence method of doing things and just being everywhere. Uh, and if somebody gets into my world uh, they're gonna have a hard time getting out they're gonna be they're gonna be hit from multiple angles uh, I've always done webinars I, I was doing webinars back in my legacy days uh, well over 10 years I've been doing webinars and they're very consistent they're they're always profitable at the end of the day um, we put every webinar up on our website and we call them training or workshops instead of webinars uh, just to just to maybe lower that level of technical technical that people have with that word webinar. Uh, So we call them workshops. Uh, But uh, I would say that's probably one of the biggest things that we do now that really reaches out to people, shows my expertise in a very um, uh, non-combative way. You know, there's no sales involved or anything like that. I'm just shoving value in front of them. And we do that across all our channels. We've got, you know, top 81 window treatment keywords. You can download that. Uh, I've got my book. You can have a copy of my book. So all of these things that you can get from us is just we're just leading with value, and I've always been that way. And I and I think it's a fantastic, um, maybe a little bit passive way of doing sales, uh, but it's worked great for us. So for you,
0: the positioning play has been the thing. You know, you you didn't love the cold outreach and the chase mode. It took a while right. to get the positioning to a place where people did recognize you in the niche. But now that you have it, because you've done the webinars, because you published the book, because you're really active in the association, people are starting to look to you as the expert and come to you pre-positioned to buy.
1: Absolutely. And the fact that we had all these different pieces of value that they could see, that helped us with JVs. So mm-hmm. getting in front of people that uh, that we saw had the same audience. So the people that run the convention for the industry. Um, there's a buyer's network specifically for window treatments. So reaching out to them people and showing that we've already got all these assets that we wanna help your audience with, uh, that really gave us kind of a leg up as well.
0: So good, so good. So one thing you said there, I think I I hope everybody heard was the distinction between a webinar and a workshop. Webinar has this technical sound to it. um, And it's also has like a salesy feel to it. It's like, oh, I'm gonna sit on a webinar and they're gonna try and pitch me this thing. You call it a workshop and like, oh, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to walk away with notes, and it'll be productive use of my time. I like the languaging of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then after that, uh, that webinar, uh, we make sure to, to send everybody out, not only the replay, but some of the resources we mentioned on the webinar as well. So, again, we're loading them up with value, and uh, there's always somebody that calls and says, can you just do this for us?
0: Love that. So so good. Again, it's it's a little bit of a long journey for you, but you you've done a great job with it. Yeah um building omnipresence in your in your niche, right? Regardless of what niche you're in as you're as you're listening or watching, you know, there there's a sphere of people. And if you can get them to get on your landing page, get into your pixel, and you can constantly be dripping value through webinars, through podcasts, uh, through you know, value-added content, you become everywhere they look. And and that's yes. what Will, Will has done so well, which has created this accelerated growth within the business.
1: Absolutely, it's hard to get out of our web once you're in it. Uh, and even if you're in it, you're just getting value all the time. So there's not a lot of reason to, to unsubscribe even.
0: So there's a question here. they're asking your your workshops. I know you load them up everywhere. Um, where would someone go if they wanted to, to peep your workshops? Yeah,
1: wtmarketingpros.com slash training. We put a, we put all eleven webinars out there that we do, and of course we pretty much recycle the same eleven year over year, mm-hmm. uh, and then we just replace that month. So I just did one this week, uh, so that was on per click. So we'll replace that, you know, probably tomorrow with this year's version of the same thing, and uh, that way they're always up to date. But all the trainings out there, uh, and that leads to to calls, you know, where they're kind of warm. They're like, hey, I watched all your trainings. I listen to your podcast. You know, how do we get signed up with you? So, you know, they're they're prepositioned. They already know me, even though I don't know them. They feel like they know me. And uh, and, you know, leading with all that value, it, it becomes a pretty easy sales call to have.
0: Love it. Love it. So we talked a little bit about how you're getting clients and kind of you've really got this attractive model where clients come to you positioned to buy. Um, Talk to us a little bit about your program. Like, what is it that a window treatment company buys from you? How do you package that? How do you kind of offer that to the to the marketplace?
1: Sure. Uh, so we used to have three programs. One was six ninety seven a month, and we had a fifteen hundred a month and a three thousand a month. What we found is the cheaper the package, the worse the clients, uh, and the more that's a writer downer, everybody. Yeah, that's that, the more of a pain in the butt they were. Uh, so we, uh, we just decided, let's just go high end or, or in, in my world, 1,500, 3,000 a month is high end for a lot of these companies. Uh, so we just, we just went with those two programs. Uh, the uh, $1,500 program is, is SEO, pay-per-click maintenance, all the normal stuff. Uh, we do not do social media. Uh, so we have that as an add-on uh, because we really think that social is not the place that you're going to get the best ROI on. Uh, so right out of the gate, we discourage our clients from doing that. Let's get your SEO going. Let's get your paid ads. Let's get leads. You know, let's get your phone ringing. Uh, then we can talk about brand exposure and things like social media and some of these other uh, outreaches. The $3,000 a month program is everything in the lower one just amped up. More content. Uh, we've got a couple extra add-on things that we do. Um We got a tool called email boomerang which basically reverse engineers who the visitor is to the website sends them a thank you message just say hey thanks for visiting our website here's a little bit about our business Uh, and this is something we do for our clients so these small little extra outreaches on other platforms work really well another one that i know a lot of the guys in seven figure are doing now is the postcard which is the same thing you know somebody visits your site they they look around but they don't engage with your site then two or three days later a postcard shows up in the mail from that company uh always always gets an interest and you know they're not expensive so you get one good lead out of that in the 30 days it more than pays for the postcard you know all the postcards that you sent out that month
0: i love it do you do you cover the cost or is it kind of like this is included in the program and you're going to pay the usage on whatever postcards are mailed out is that how it's structured
1: yeah, we charge extra, so that's an add-on service. Uh, but it's only like you know, 200 bucks a month, something like that. Uh, and I think my cost is about 100, maybe you know, 90, somewhere around there. Uh, so we make a little bit off of it, but at the end of the day, we're really just after uh, getting those additional uh, leads for our clients. So we'll put a custom QR code that goes to a specific landing page, specifically mentioning the postcard. Thanks for shooting the QR code on our postcard it has a call tracking number on it. So the clients can see that it's actually uh, creating an ROI.
0: I love it. And and do you house that QR code in high level or is that some other like proprietary system you use to track that?
1: Yep, it goes straight to a high level uh, landing page or a funnel.
0: So good. So you're driving traffic to them from organic and, and paid. You're putting retargeting in place and you're also postcard retargeting, which means Hey, you came to the site, you got this postcard, here's a QR code, and you're finding people redeem that. It's not like something sexy that you can tell a prospect, but it it actually is something that gets redeemed and generates conversions.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, The average conversion in our industry is somewhere between $2,500 and $3,000. So if they just get one of those in that 30 days of sending out postcards, it was highly profitable for them.
0: Love it. And I love the fact you've kind of tied in direct mail on the back end. Most digital marketing agencies. I just want to do the ads or I just want to do the pay per click where you're thinking, how do we generate more sales for this company? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, if direct mail is part of that play, why not? Right? Because if you can make it rain for the client, they're going to stick around. They're going to they're going to be happy. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. So, so you're really now fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars as your your two programs that you offer, you kind of sunsetted the cheaper program. I said that was a writer downer because I hope everybody heard that, you know, usually we want to sell everybody and we want to have something for the cheap client. That cheap client is who's going to bankrupt you, right? That cheap Mm -hmm. client is the one you're going to wind up chasing. You're going to question yourself. You're going to want to like throw in the towel. So just decide to deal with the higher end of the market. They'll pay more. They'll stay longer. They won't be as like frustrating for you as a company. I think that sounds like that's the decision you've made. Uh, in your agency.
1: Yeah, for sure. I know that you just interviewed Mandeep not too long ago, and I think he's the one that came up with the PETA score, painting yep. the S score. Uh, so those lower end clients, they had that high PETA score, and they weren't worth it. You know, you get the $3,000 a month clients, and uh, they, just, they just send you the money every month. You keep them apprised as to what you're doing, and uh, that's pretty much it.
0: So good. So we talked a little bit about the niche. We talked about how you chose it, how you landed your clients, what the program package looks like. Um, you had this this phase in your agency where you were a generalist and you were kind of stuck there for a long, long time. And then at some point you chose a niche and you had a a, a bump up, but then you also hit a plateau where you were kind of, you were in the niche, but you were stuck for a while. Yeah. And, and now over the last year, or so you've had this this new ascent. If you had to think about three things that shifted that helped to make the acceleration happen, what would those be for, you know, for the agency owner that maybe is at 30 or 40 or 50 and they're like, why am I not going to the next level?
1: Sure. Uh, I mentioned these at my acceptance speech, if you could hear through the through the sobbing. Uh, but I uh, definitely JVs. J, JVs is one thing, getting on stage. Uh, Josh, you know, stage time is money time. So getting into those conventions and being able to, to teach some sort of a class uh, has been huge. Uh, the second one is the omnipresence. I think I, I mentioned that. Just being everywhere and loading people up with value. And then the third one, which is probably the biggest one of all, was mindset. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a mindset, especially after getting a couple clients, and then it might be six months of no new clients, right? That was tough to swallow uh, and just to keep pressing forward, knowing it's going to happen. That was tough. And there was a time when I just thought, you know what? Uh, 25K is probably the best we're going to do. And I had convinced myself that. Uh, and because I convinced myself that, I stayed there. So if I got up to 30, I'd probably screw something up so that I would get back to 25. You know, I'd lose a client on purpose, Uh, even though it's just mentally you're doing it. You don't even realize that you're self-sabotaging, but you do that if that's the mindset. And uh, there was a coach that told me, I just want you to get to 40,000. And I was like, you're crazy. That's not even a real number. You know, that that's not a thing that that I do. Uh, and because he said that I decided I need to, I need to rewire myself. I need to start looking into mindset and understanding that there's people doing this. So why can't I be one of them? Uh, and really just rewiring my, my mind that seven figures is just a thing. And once I get there, there's another one, there's going to be, you know, multiple seven figures. Uh, and, but that definitely takes a while. And if your upbringing was always around scarcity it's hard to reprogram yourself. It really is tough.
0: I think it's a powerful shared and, and you know, you should question yourself. Like, are you setting limits without even realizing it? is this glass ceiling over your head? Because your mindset is, you know, I don't deserve more than 50K or 50K right. is enough. I have 50K a month in my business is enough. Um, and if you've got that self-limiting thought, you're never going to go to the next level. Uh, and so, you know, great book. I'm not sure if you read this, well, but uh, "Secrets of the Millionaire Mind" one of the best books on changing your mental programming about, you know, you, you know, what your limits are, and what's yeah. available. And the other thing would be get around the, a peer group that's well beyond seven figures, and it will just change the the lens at which you look at
1: opportunities. Absolutely, and taking advantage of it. There's a lot of people that that are maybe in these kinds of groups that don't take advantage of the people that are at seven or, or even more figures. And a lot of these guys, they're more than willing to share with you. So take advantage of that. Use that authority. Uh, what is the what is the saying? You're you're like the the five people around you, or something like that. Uh, and so put yourself around the people that are where you want to be. That will help you get there. Just from hearing the conversations differently, how they think, those sorts of things, uh, and and you can do it absolutely.
0: So good. I, I think a lot of people come to the seven-figure agency and come through our our program. Typically, you know, being good at the sales stuff and being good, like really having an aggressive mindset, but struggling with the delivery. Like they just don't know what to do or how to do it. In your case, you were already extremely good on the delivery. It was just confidence in in yourself and in your your sales abilities, really, that made, the I think, a lot of the difference in your growth.
1: 100%. I did not like sales. And again, I would tell myself I'm not good at sales. So just telling myself that I would... I would fulfill that prophecy. Uh, So, you know, the other option is to hire somebody. I didn't want to hire somebody because I was only making 20, 30 grand. You know, I don't have that ability to really hire somebody to to do that. Uh, I want to make it succeed on my own. So uh, teaching myself sales, staying at it, uh, buying books on sales, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube, all these things to really just slowly teach yourself how to get better and better at sales. And quite honestly, at the end of the day, sales is just relationships. I mean, everybody says that it's so true that if you can just be a friend to a potential customer, help them find out what they're wanting to do and say, I can help you get there uh, you're you're gonna succeed just by doing that kind of a sales method.
0: love it, love it. so good. so, Let's shift gears a little bit and now you've got the seven figure agency and you've landed clients and you've lost clients and you do great work, but sometimes the clients leave. Let's talk a little bit about retention. Like what are some of the things you found have worked best to to help you retain that client base um, and keep them with you long-term?
1: Sure. I think um, uh, hiring CSMs is something I should have done a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having somebody that reaches out to them at least once a week, and just touches them and lets them know we're still here. And that was the big problem with my legacy agency was I would get a client and I would go to work, you know, I would go to town doing all this stuff, but I wouldn't let them know what I was doing. And three, four months into it, they're like, you know what? We don't even know where this money's going or if you're doing anything with it. Uh, So staying in front of them and letting them know little updates. Uh, We do not send out monthly reports. Uh, But we do have the CSMs reaching out to our clients and letting them know consistently about a win that they had. Uh, We just had a client yesterday that got the $1,000 promo code for us uh, for pay-per-click because we're Google partners. So he didn't expect that. He didn't know anything about it, but we got him $1,000 in extra ads absolutely free. And those kinds of wins are going to just make him stick even longer with us. I love
0: it. So weekly touches with the clients, having CSMs, client success managers, people yeah. talking with the clients. Uh, can you just talk, talk a little bit about kind of what your onboarding looks like or any
1: cool things you do on the onboarding side of the equation? Uh, sure. Um, onboarding process is they sign up and they pay. We, they do that right away. Uh, and we schedule a kickoff call within two business days. So we want to get that kickoff call going quickly. And that kickoff call is really just to review the onboarding form. To go through anything that they didn't already fill out verify things make sure we can log into their gmb uh, make sure we can get into their analytics those sorts of things Uh, and then right after that we schedule uh the lead boomerang training which is our version of go high level so we we schedule that training right away within another you know two days or so uh we set up their call tracking and their forms on their old slash current site so they can start to see those leads coming in quickly Uh, And then we set up the pay-per-click kickoff call immediately right after that so that we can get their strategy, what uh, products they want to promote the most and get all that into place so that we can get their ads up. Usually within two weeks, uh, their ads are up and running. And again, they've already had the training on go high level so they know the leads are going to be coming in. Uh, And then as we turn on the pay-per-click and the leads start to come in, Uh, We can have a second training call. Now that there's leads in here, what do you do with them? Train them, how to uh, engage with those leads, answer the phone, all of those sorts of things. So pretty proactive uh, right up front. Uh, We also follow the uh, proven process from EOS, which is 30 days, 30 days, 30 days, and then quarterly uh, business meetings with them. So the first 90 days of doing business with us, uh, you're hearing from us probably weekly. Uh, here's an update. Here's something we're doing, or that there's another uh, training that we have, something like that. Uh, we do not hit them with any upsells or anything like that. You know, we just really warm them up to the fact that uh, we're going to do really good business for them, generate leads for them, and uh, and then as the 90 day cycle goes on, uh, we've got that built in to go high level as well, where it automatically reaches out to them. I think around like uh, 10 days before the end of the quarter. And says, hey, you know, there's. What are your upcoming holidays that you're closed? Uh, let's get a let's get a strategy session put in place to make sure that we're, you know, doing whatever it is you want to do this next quarter. Are there any new specials? Are there any promotions you want to do? Anything like that? Uh, so that's kind of how we how we onboard people, really warm them up well, and then long term keep them uh, on board with us.
0: I love that. I, I think you know lots of lots of high touch right in that first. In that first week, in that first month, really communicating with them a lot, and then it sounds like engineering some quick wins, Uh, like not just going radio silent, but you know, setting up the uh, the automation and showing them how to interact with the leads, setting up the pay per click campaign as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, radio silent is a great way to induce buyers' remorse really quickly into your clients.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, A couple people are asking if you don't feel comfortable sharing, that's fine. But what, what was the platform that you used to send the postcard if they get to the
1: website? Leadpost, leadpost.com. Okay. Uh, and they, they do have uh, an agency version, which is actually a little cheaper than what they have on their website. Uh, so reach out to them about that. Uh, but that's fantastic. It does the, the uh, reverse engineering on the emails and the uh, the mailing addresses as well.
0: Super cool. So it's basically it's looking at the IP address of anyone that gets to your client's site, pulling in an email if they can find one, pulling yeah. a mailing address. Um, do you wind up like? How do you deal with a wrong address postcard went out? How, like, would you, what would you say the percentage of postcards that you're mailing, you know, to not a real
1: person? Yeah, we don't know. What, once yeah. they once they send out, we have no idea if it went to the right person or not. There's
0: enough that go to the right place that it yes. doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, w- I do want to say on the email side, we don't uh, when we reverse engineer that email address, we don't send them an email right away. We have a 10 minute wait in the workflow. That way it's a little less creepy. Uh, it's still creepy. Just the fact that I went to a website and then I got an email from the website. And I never engaged with it. Uh, but we find that putting that 10 minute buffer in there and then sending something that's very non-salesy that's just typically from the owner. Thanks for visiting ABC Blinds. Here's a little bit about our business. If you want to set up an appointment, click here. And that's pretty much it.
0: Love it. We call that a blind opt-in, you know, in our world. Um, You should be running that for your agency, guys. If you don't have that running, somebody gets to your website, whether they opt in for your lead magnet or your guide or not, no reason you can't grab an email and say, hey, I saw you're on the website. Is there anything I can do to help? and yeah. then add them to your nurture sequence and let them opt out if they don't want to hear from you. Uh, we find we get deals in the long-term through that blind opt-in, works for your agency, also great for your clients.
1: Yes, and a great opportunity to to uh, offer something of value. Again, offer the book or something. Hey, saw you're on my website. Can I send you my book? Absolutely free, uh, that, that works really well.
0: That's awesome, I, I love that. I think a couple of things you've engineered into your service offering. I wonder if you bring it up in the sales process that make you a little bit distinctive, like that, hey, we're going to automatically blind opt-in prospects. We're going to send them a postcard. And we're going to set this QR code up to bring them back into your world. Do you bring that up as part of your unique selling proposition?
1: Absolutely. The other thing that does is it sets us up to uh, upsell some other things. So the email is included, but hey, you want the postcard? That's a little bit of an upsell. Yep. You want us to do monthly newsletter. We're pulling all these email addresses in. Do you want us to do that too? And that's another opportunity for upsell.
0: How big a part? Since yours is a is it's a relatively high ticket. They're getting their windows done or their blinds. Um, how big of a of a play is the marketing automation that you do with High Level when somebody submits a form? Um, like how does that play into your offering, and do you find that actually impacts more sales for the client?
1: Uh, do you mean on the client's end? Like
0: on the how, client's end specifically.
1: Yeah. So um, it definitely sets us apart. First of all, there's there's not a lot of marketing people in our industry. So uh, the fact that we can come to a company and say we'll we'll do the missed call text back. By the way, we've also got uh, the calendar where you can set they can set up appointments automatically. We can send review requests if you just move them over to that piece of the opportunity stage. Uh, it blows them away, and uh, we've actually started offering the Lead Boomerang system as a, as the SaaS component that we've talked about many times as well, uh, and that has actually led to conversations with. Uh, window treatment companies to say, well, it, what else do you do? Well, as a matter of fact, we can help you get people into the funnel uh, in order to use the the uh, CRM piece of it. So uh, it really works well as a as an, uh, a way to a gateway drug, if you will, to get more clients.
0: I love it. I think you know it's a your industry is great because there's not as many of these pre-built systems that they already use. Yeah. So like it doesn't seem like you have quite as much friction where you can say, look, I can set up your calendar, I can set up your two way text messaging. Do you find that your end client will actually have the app installed and respond to leads and stuff through the system?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, they, they definitely will. The other thing that we did was back to JV's uh, in our in my world. Uh, The idea is to get an appointment and that appointment is to go to somebody's house and measure the windows Mm. show them the fabric, those kinds of things. So it's an in-home appointment that our clients are after. Uh, In that world, they're measuring, they're doing things, there's software that they can plug in those measurements and order from the manufacturer. So they can, they can create a quote right there in that person's living room and give them that quote. So we partnered with those software providers and now when somebody comes in as a lead into go high level we actually dump that contact information into that other software system so when they go to the home and they pull up joe smith it's already there all their information is already in that other software Mm -hmm. system which is super cool it's another sales point for us because oh yeah we integrate with that uh and so it's it's a it's a win for sure
0: so they're glad they don't have to go re-enter it in the program. It's like it's yep. already in their lead system, lead boomerang, your, your, yes. your version. And then it's also in their, their design and quoting and system.
1: Yep, yep. And then on the other side of that, of course, those JVs are now promoting the SaaS version of our software because it integrates with their system already. So they're yep. sending us leads from people that say, you know, I really like your software and, and love the measuring piece of it. But boy, we need more leads. And they say, well, we've got the tool to help you get that.
0: So good, love it. Lots of cool insights here on how you're, how you're structuring it. When you think about your service offering for your clients, um, what is it that tends to generate the best results? Is it the SEO? Is it the Facebook ads? Is it the paid search? Is it database reactivation? Or is it a combination
1: of them all? So it's none of those. It is Google My Business. By far and away, 60 to 70% of our clients' leads come from GMB, by wow. far. Uh, it's, it's drastically different than all of the other things that we do. Hmm. Uh, as a as an old school SEO guy, that hurts me. Uh, <laughs> well, if GMB is still you know
0: Google Business Profile. You could call that SEO, right? Your SEO SEOing their, their yeah. Google Map listing.
1: Yeah, definitely part of it, I guess. Uh, it, at least it's not pay per click as the you know the winning one. That's that would really hurt an SEO guy. Uh, but uh, GMB, by far and away, is the biggest thing that we can do building those citations, that starts in month one. And, and you asked about onboarding, that starts in week one for us behind the scenes. We start building citations and really start optimizing that profile because we know if we can start to get them into those, that three-pack map three pack of results, they're gonna get phone calls quick.
0: Love it. Do, do most of your clients have a physical location or are you kind of dealing with a home address and trying to finagle addresses?
1: Yeah, it's probably 50-50. Uh, since we've raised our prices and, and gotten away from that little package, we're dealing less and less with the mom and pops. Uh, and I should say less and less as clients. So we're kind of taking the, the Hormozzi approach there, where if somebody calls us and they can't afford the $1,500 a month, we're putting them into some sort of a course and training and wow. things like that to really help them get to the point where they can afford us. They're going to they're going to look at us as the subject matter experts that helped them get to that point. And, you know, hopefully at that point they call us or they just continue to succeed. We don't care either way. Uh, We still get the check mark in their brain that uh, we were the one that got them there.
0: Love it. And I know in in that industry specifically, you know, there are pay per lead services that are pretty popular. Are you tapping into any of that for them and putting the lead boomerang on the back end? Or you just say, Hey, those leads are terrible. We're going to get you direct leads. Like, I'm just curious how you position it in your, in your space.
1: Yeah. We don't have a lot of clients that are using any of those services. Maybe Yelp would probably be the most obvious. Uh, we do have one called house H O U Z Z. Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of clients try that and it didn't really work very well. Uh, if they want to try it, sure. We'll, we'll tag those leads as such. And, you know, go back and see. Did they? Did that provide value to you? Did that turn into ROI? And in most cases, it doesn't. Uh, with Yelp, I don't know. It's fifty-fifty. Uh, Yelp's Yelp's its own animal. Depends
0: upon the market, right? Yes. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Cool insights there. So, so we've talked about kind of what the program looks like, what the what the retention play looks like. We'd love to talk a little bit about the team. So now you've got a seven-figure agency. I know you've got family that has been, you know, integral to the growth of the business. What does the operations look like as you've scaled up?
1: Sure. Um, So my ops manager, uh, his name is Iroh, and he has been with us for four or five years now. He's in the Philippines, uh, but he does kind of the overseeing of all delivery-related things, operations, obviously. Uh, My daughter, Amber, has been with us for a long time. She started she started right out of high school in my legacy agency uh, building websites. And uh, you know, we, would, we would pull up WordPress and I'd say, okay, Amber, open up Word and click here, do this thing, and then copy that down in Word so you know how to do it next time. Uh, so, so she's really been a huge part of growing the agency. As time goes on, she's moved on to project management now. Uh, I've also brought on my son. He started as a CSM when I first realized I needed to start getting somebody talking out to these clients, uh, he's since then moved into uh, a sales role. So somebody opts in for our book. Now he'll pick up the phone the next day and say, Hey, we saw you ordered the book. We're going to get that in the mail to you. What other resources can we get to you? So, uh, so that's the family side. Uh, And then I've got a huge team in the Philippines. I think it's probably around 17, 18 people at this point. Uh, so we've got a an seo team we've got a pay-per-click team we've got a content team uh we've got a, a researcher or, or uh, somebody who just does uh different random things for us uh we've got a couple guys on the web dev team and uh so it's a, it's a complete company i guess at this point point. and uh, that was something else that was really hard for me back to mindset uh just you know somebody asked me at one point do you do you just want a hobby or do you want an actual agency and that was something that I, I couldn't get over for a long time. I actually, I actually do want an agency and I want to be able to employ people and, uh, and you know, be part of their success as well.
0: I, I love that. I think it's great that you've been able to bring the family on it. They've been, you know, really, you know, they've been great advocates in the organization and you've helped develop them as, as human beings. Um, any Any tips on hiring that international team and managing it? Because I know a lot of agencies try it. And, you know, they struggle because they are not able to keep a pulse on what they're doing and they feel like, you know, they're constantly firing the the team and rebuilding any tips you can share on kind of managing that international
1: staff. Yeah, this will be a shout out to Lynn Askin. Uh, We set up EOS and that has really helped change that system. So the the SEO team, the pay-per-click team, the web dev team all have their own level 10 meetings. Uh, We've got a list of core values. When somebody comes on to our team, they know what those core values are before they sign up uh, and that helps us keep them longer. And and at the same time, we're making sure on Slack and things like that, that we're uh, doing shout outs to people, you know, hey, uh, shout out to Amy for doing this thing. And here's the core value related to that. So we're keeping those things as part of the overall culture. And that has really helped us as well, keeping uh, employees longer. And we pay them well too i mean i think that's a big part of it you know we, we want to make sure that uh we're moving away from a part-time status so we were hiring a lot of people part-time and what we found is they probably had another job and then we were the second uh we were the second job and they didn't take it as seriously so we've really moved towards uh only hiring full-time this is this is your job and uh and of course you're know, giving them a, a fair salary as well
0: Love it. So full time, fully dedicated to you. Um, like, what's the recruitment pool for you? It sounds like you've built in the in the Philippines. Is there a job source uh, site that you use that you're able to attract good talent out of?
1: Yeah, most of it is through onlinejobs.ph. Yep. Uh We use your resources, Josh, to uh, to get those job listings. So we have a really nice uh, job listing right from the start, and then you know we have a nice pool of people to go through ask them some questions, get them on a uh, some sort of a Zoom interview, and uh, obviously, you know, roll out the uh, the core values to them and make sure that they don't or, or if they do disqualify themselves, that's fine as well.
0: Love it. So it sounds like a good hiring process, you know, really vetting and making sure you've got the right person that meets the core values, then having good processes in place and systems to plug them in where they're not guessing, but they know their role. And then having EOS fully implemented where there's a meeting ritual where they've got a scorecard, they're getting their problems solved. They're also feeling like they're part of a team and not just on an island somewhere in the Philippines working in the middle of the night, you know, slaving away.
1: Yeah, we've also utilized the uh, go high level uh, memberships area or the courses. And we built out a course specifically for new hires to go through and introduce our business to them. Here's Here's our audience, here's who we're trying to serve, here's the kind of people that they are. Uh, so they have an entire course that they go through now.
0: So good, man. So many so many right things you've put in place on the sales side, on the delivery side, on the on the team side. Um, I know that you're building the, the CSM team. Um where like, where are you finding good candidates for that? Is that also in the Philippines? Or are you going U.S. based for that?
1: Uh, no, they're actually from GoStaffy. Uh, okay. Both of our CSMs are from GoStaffy from oh, John uh, They're So they're both in the Philippines. Uh, and they are just fantastic. They do a great job. Uh, there is a lot of training involved in ramping them up so that they understand that there's an audience out there of window treatment company owners. You know, you don't even think about that in your normal day. So uh, ramping them up. But yeah, so they all speak English uh, and they speak Spanish, which has actually worked well for us. We've got a couple clients that are, that are basically Spanish-based uh, and getting those clients, uh, having that, that ability to speak to them in spanish uh has really been a, a nice little bonus on getting them there
0: so good love it love it um man will a lot of great insights here if you got a question if you're what happened to be listening live now's the time because we're about to wrap up so toss your questions in if you have them well if you have one piece of wisdom for that agency owner that you know is wherever they're at maybe they're 10k or they're at 30k and they're trying to get to the next level uh, what would that be
1: Probably two things. Actually, I'd probably say one is start to look at JVs, see who else is serving your audience, and then see how you can uh, kind of wiggle your way into their uh, being on their list or being in front of them at some at some time. And then secondly is just be consistent. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I had times where there was six months and no new clients. And I don't know how in the world my wife didn't come in and said, this is over, we're done. Shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but she never did, uh, and uh, being consistent, I think, has been a big piece of that. I think I was on your podcast probably not even maybe a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. uh, and at the time I was at 40k, and uh, so just in that amount of time we've doubled the uh, the the revenue, and just being consistent and being you know even when I talked to you at 40k I was probably signing up a client every month or maybe even two months. Uh, now you know I think in October we signed up four. Uh, so it's nice to have that momentum going, uh, but it doesn't happen right out of the gate. It did happen out of the gate for me, and I thought this was going to be fantastic. Uh, but that was that was an anomaly uh, that I soon realized. Love it. <laughs> so
0: joint ventures, you're only one joint venture away from a seven-figure agency, and we yeah. found that time and time again. Look for those opportunities. Those opportunities only present themselves if you're putting out good content, if you're a person of interest, if you're a value-added individual. So you have to position yourself and then look for those joint venture opportunities and then stick to it, right? The yeah. only way you fail is if you quit. And and Will, you've done a great job sticking to it, not just you know in terms of trying and, and not quitting, but you went in the window space, you didn't throw in the towel, you stuck with that niche and you continued to really innovate in the space and now our our position is the go-to expert so i think some amazing amazing insights there we do have a question from facebook here uh and they say i noticed on your website you say marketing for seven figure window treatment companies have you found that message helps you attract a higher quality prospect
1: yeah not only that but it, it kind of filters out the tire kickers uh, and those lower end people, uh, they they don't tend to reach out for a discovery call, but they find plenty of other resources on the website uh, that can help them get to that point. Uh, that's, again, an EOS thing. So part of going through that original EOS setup was who do we want to be our clients? Who are our best clients? And those are the ones doing over a million. And Josh, five years ago, I didn't think there were any window treatment companies yeah, didn't doing exist, a million right? bucks. <laughs> You know, I didn't even think that was a thing, but they're out there. So even in the niches that you're, you know, maybe you're looking at and you're like, man, I don't know if this niche will even work. Uh, do some more research. It's very possible that there are a lot of seven figure companies out there that are just flying under the radar and uh, and they're looking for marketing most likely.
0: Yeah, I think it's a common trait with almost every person we've had on this podcast that has gone to seven figures and beyond is they they shifted from thinking they were serving everybody in the niche to recognizing they they're going after the higher end of the market. And, yeah. and, and like Will said at one point, he didn't think there was a market above seven figures in window treatment. As you get into the niche and you start to really understand the key players, you start to, there's lots of people doing millions and even seven figures is not that big of a number. Right. And it's just recognizing the larger companies have financial resources. They've got infrastructure to handle the lead flow and they can pay your fee easily and they will pay your fee and stay perp- into perpetuity if you can generate even a, a, just a solid result for them. And so I yeah. think that was a great question and a great kind of insight to wrap up, regardless of where you are in your, in your niche, recognize you're not wanting to serve everybody. If you're only serving the one man operator, the startup for me in plumbing, for will and window treatments, you're gonna have a really tough go at it, like really, really tough go at it. You're not gonna get paid what you deserve you're going they're gonna drive you nuts. Um, and when we stopped taking, you know, people less than half a million dollars per year in, in plumbing and HVAC SEO, everything changed, you know, our retention was better, our client satisfaction was better. And our, you know, we could leave, live much better lives as oh, a yeah. of that of that distinction.
1: Absolutely. It's a it's a much easier, uh, you, you sleep a lot better, right? Knowing that uh, the clients you're taking care of them, and they're not hassling you every single day about some random little thing. Yeah,
0: Good question there, another question just came in. Let's see if I can get it to come up. Is it possible for an owner operator to run ads without hiring an agency?
1: Sure, Uh, everybody can run ads. What we tend to see is when we start getting into those conversations, uh, they'll usually say, oh, uh, "Oh, did you do paid ads? Oh yeah, we tried that, we put $1,000 in and it didn't work. Uh, So absolutely, you can do it. And Google is just fantastic with the marketing of uh, Google ads to get them to spend that money. Uh, But they tend not to see the results from it. And we just took over a client who's been running his own ads for about two years at 10 grand a month is what he's spending on ads. And just in the last month that we've started working with him, we've cut his cost per lead down almost by 50%. So just having an agency and having an agency that's niched Right and knows the, knows the world, knows what negative keywords to dump in right away, they're, that's a huge advantage for, a, for an owner operator, I think.
0: Great stuff. Good questions. Will, once again, congratulations on growing to seven figures. Um, you're an inspiration to, to the entire seven-figure community. Thank you for what you do as a mentor, supporting other members as they're kind of coming up the ranks. Um, if, if an agency owner listening to this and they'd like to connect with you somehow, what would be the best way?
1: Uh, Probably by email, will at WCRADA.com. And uh, everybody wonders what that is. That's actually Will, Carol, Ryan, Amber, Dylan, Austin. So it's my kids' first initials. I figured that was something that would definitely be unique when it came to setting up an LLC. Uh, So so will at WCRADA.com. Reach out. I'm always checking my email and uh, would love to chat with you. Thank you again, Josh, for the opportunity to be a mentor too. I really enjoy being able to help agencies get to where uh, where I am now, and I understand the struggle side of it a lot. You know, we weren't we weren't no we weren't a hockey stick, uh, or we weren't off to the races by any uh, means. But uh, I love the opportunity to help other people grow, and I I have that uh, that unfortunately many years of experience uh, that uh, that I can help them with.
0: Amazing, well thank you so much for your time and your abundance mindset sharing what's worked for you. Listeners, be sure to reach out to Will, congratulate him, thank him for sharing uh, and be sure to tune in. If you happen to be watching this on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button so you can see other videos. Uh, If you're listening somewhere out in cyberspace, be sure to go to sevenfigureagency.com slash podcast so that you can catch all of these interviews and the new content that we're rolling out. That's it for today. Thanks again, Will. Thanks everybody for for being on here.
1: Awesome, thanks for the opportunity.